This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Dory 1, this is Fire Team Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to episode number three of the Friday Solo Series. And this will be the last one that will be called the Friday Solo Series. So if you want to submit a name for what you think these series and based on what we've got going on here, what you think is a good idea, go ahead and drop me an email, ben at militaryveterandad.com. Next week, I will hopefully have a whole bunch of different ideas that I've got in my head and we'll be able to launch and come up with a, a solid name for it. And if not, then maybe we'll just keep going with the Friday Solo. But I got a few on my heart. But if you have an, a good one on your heart, drop me a line and let me know. Today, we are going to talk about a topic, and it's a question from a, a member of the Military Veteran Dad Facebook group, Shastin McNaspy. And his question is, how do you prevent or how do you work through not yelling at your kids? It's kind of a heavy topic. It's kind of a loaded topic, and it's kind of a topic that every dad, whether you're a military dad, normal dad, doesn't matter. If you wear the title of dad on your heart, you know that kids can push your buttons. And that's today's topic that we're going to be talking about. And for me, this isn't something that even as a guy that hosts a dad podcast that I'm immune to. It happens regularly for me in the morning, sometimes when it's at bedtime, sometimes it's just when you've had that kind of day where you've just been pushed one too many times and then your kids come home and then they push you a little bit more. And then the only default reaction you have to try to get some sense of control back of the situation is to yell. And the worst part about yelling is not that you're doing it, but it's that after hangover of how you feel after you've yelled. And it's never a good feeling. You always regret it. And, but you somehow then keep repeating the cycle. It's often crazy if you break it down in a couple different ways that there's one view that would say we have to model the correct behavior for our kids and what they only really copy the behavior we set an example for. Okay, that kind of makes sense. But if you apply it to yelling, there's times where the kids are yelling at us and screaming and shouting and kicking. And then what do we do? We yell back. So then it's like, how are they supposed to know what to do when we model the behavior that we want to cancel out with the model of the behavior that they're actually doing? And it's the same kind of thing if, you, if uh, you've gone through hitting your kids or spanking your kids. 
um, that you could say like if maybe they were hitting their brother or sister and you go over to give them a spanking and then you're like, I just spank my child physically for hitting another child. Like how is it? I've just sent the most confusing message to their brain of how they should be responding. But this is more, let's call it textbook definitions, because let's be real. Life happens on the front lines of being a dad. And the books that you read, the podcasts you listen to like this one, they're often, it's good advice, but when you're in the thick of things, when you are firing round, rounds down range, sometimes the way they teach how a war is supposed to go in the classroom isn't how war goes in reality. And you have to be able to figure out some type of methodology. You've got to be able that life will still happen, even if you know about these things. So we know a lot of things about being a dad. And it's like eating well. You, people know that they're not supposed to eat certain things, but they still do it. The same thing happens with being a dad. We still, we know mostly what we're not supposed to do, but somehow the instinct, the primal in us, the flight or flight response kicks in, and we just go into survival mode, which often reflects into yelling. Because... It comes back to that uh, word that I hinted a little bit earlier, control. That for me, it's control is an illusion. And it's often when I'm trying to seek control, that's usually when the worst stuff happens. That that when I'm trying to put some sense of order to chaos, that's usually when they revolt the most. And I often, I don't always do it well, but I always try to get towards a state of just riding the chaos that sometimes the house can be burning down metaphorically with anger yelling and just everything's going on you really just have to be okay in the middle of that storm and oftentimes as i've just recently i've been really diving into uh, masculinity and i think this is often what the definition that i always got confused was masculinity is kind of like being that oak tree that stands in the middle of a hurricane that doesn't flinch we need to be more in control of our masculinity to be able to stand up to these storms that kids give us. Because let's face it, you have, let's, if you, if you, if you had a perfect personality, let's call it 90%, you were flawless and you only had 10%. That's pretty damn good. And you only had 10% of things you needed to work on currently. Well, here's the kicker. Your kids figure out what that 10% is and they just keep pushing. It doesn't matter what's in that 10%. They'll just keep pushing Kids reflect back exactly the holes that we no longer want to be exposed to. And so there's another way to look at it that this is where I kind of go through um, just kind of doing my inner work and focusing on where I can improve. That generally, when I get upset with my kids, it usually says more about myself than it does about them. And so if they're getting me upset and I'm being triggered by whatever's going on, that usually is related to some memory, some context, some meaning I've applied to that mean, or memory, some event that's happened, some emotional experience that is related to this feeling. Or maybe it's an area that I've never really dove into, and this is just kind of um, irritating a, a war injury that you really haven't dealt with. Maybe it's a shoulder injury, and it looks fine, but if you poke it, it really hurts. It's kind of like that where you know there's something wrong with your shoulder, but you're afraid to look. That's kind of what your kids are doing to you. They're poking in the areas that you need to work in. And when you find a way not to be triggered, that's kind of meaning like, okay, I've got control. I've dug into this area. I'm not triggered because I'm not hiding from something. 
And because when kids trigger you, it's reminding you of something you, you generally don't want to deal with. So that's something that I often think about a lot, that what is this triggering in me and why am I reacting in this particular way? And how can I try to position myself to not react in this case? And sometimes you're, it's just going to happen. We're human beings. We're not going to be able to maintain control 100% of the time. But at the same time, we still need to kind of keep this in the back of your head. And it goes back again to control. I think that's such an important word, especially military dads, because military dads, you, the dad out there listening to this, Control is what we had in the military. You were either maybe a platoon sergeant, you were in charge of a company, you were in charge of a unit in some cases, that you had almost absolute control over what that unit did. And Or maybe you didn't have control. Maybe someone else was telling you what to do. Nevertheless, control is something that you're very comfortable with, either whether you're being controlled by someone else or someone else is controlling you or you're controlling them. And when we apply it to kids... It absolutely explodes. There's no way you can translate the control you have in the unit of your military experience to the unit of your family. You can bring home discipline. You can bring home your core values. You can bring home all of that. But control, they're a human being, and they're unwired, untethered, unregulated emotions of just chaotic chaos. They're still trying to figure out how to even put words to these feelings that they have let alone try to be an adult, try to deal with it. So for us to expect that we can just impose some of this control on them is really denying them the ability to experience whatever they're experiencing. And I've often liked the explanation that when it, when you're like my, 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 both my girls are extremely emotional. And I often try to approach those situations as I really can't confront this emotion positive or negatively. I try to just validated. And what I mean by that is I try to just make it okay for them to feel whatever it is they're feeling. And sometimes this is the moment where things go south because you could step in and say, stop crying. And in that moment, you're denying them the ability to feel whatever it is they're feeling. And extrapolate that 15 years in the future, they're probably sitting in a, a therapy office wondering why they can't feel something anymore. And it comes back to these small little moments where we didn't give our kids permission to feel whatever it is that we they needed to feel. Now, that doesn't necessarily fix them having unregulated emotions, that their kids and their girls even, they're going to have these things going on in them. But at the same time, we can help them, one, validate that it's perfectly okay to feel whatever it is they're feeling, even if it's loud, even if it's screaming, even if it's super sad. Just validate that it's okay. But second, this is really where you can kind of not worry about control, but worry about having the idea of being able to get through it with them, is help them understand what's triggering it for them. Just like they can trigger something in us, something is triggering an emotion in them. And they are, so like my daughters are seven and three. They're still trying to figure out how to be seven and three, just like I'm trying to figure out how to be 35. So how dare I judge them for not being able to figure something out when I can barely get a hold of my own stuff. So for using this idea that, oh, the kids just should be able to know, they're not. They're still trying to figure stuff out. But going back to my point, help them put words to what it is they're feeling. Talk about it. That getting them to understand and work through an emotion, that's the key part. Work through it. Don't try to control it. 
Don't try to suppress it. Try to figure out what's controlling it. Try to figure out what's really behind that. And sometimes the best thing you can do when you're losing control is just meet your kids with a big hug and give them as much love as possible. Because reinforcing that there's nothing that they can do to, to, to take any more of your love away from you, that's something that kids need to know, that no matter what you do in life, nothing can make me love you less than I do right now. And on the other side of that emotion, often my favorite thing to do with my oldest is just sit down at night and talk to her about the day. Sometimes if we talk, if it was like a bad episode during the day or a situation happened where she didn't handle it correctly, I'll wait till bedtime when she's on the other side of that emotion. She's through it. She's calm. Then we'll talk about it. And almost always we come to a rational conclusion about what was really going on. And this is the most important part. We create an action plan of what to do next time. So if you're familiar in the military, after action reviews are kind of the thing to do after you've had a mission. That's kind of what I do unintentionally with after a situation that I just simply approach it and let, let's talk about it. Now, this is where we suck as dead too. We, we hate talking about stuff. But we need, we have an obligation to create a safe space with our kids to talk about things because there's a fundamental lesson in talking and control in this whole topic that if you don't become present in the small things, they won't bring you the big things. And these small little things are testing, testing you to find out whether you're going to be there when they really, really need you. And how you approach, if you approach as anger, if you approach with fear, if you approach as I don't want to hear it, there's going to become a time when you want nothing more for them to tell you what's going on in their life as a teenager. And they don't feel safe to do it. But when you have young kids, it's done in the battleground of these micro moments where they trigger you, they happen, and you just got to be able to to step back from it, not get sucked into it. Don't get triggered by it. They're trying to test you. You're, however old you are listening to this, you should be able to resist whatever it is they're tempting you with. And if you can't do that, then there's really something there that you need to work through that just sucks you in like a vacuum that you lose control. So think about it. How can you position yourself? How can you step back from the emotion that's going on? How can you observe it from kind of like an outsider view of like, what's really going on here? Why do I really feel this way. That's really going to help you step out of that reactionary mode from yelling because you need to be able to observe it. You need to be a bystander kind of to it. But then going back to that masculine energy, you need to be able to be that oak tree that stands in the middle of a storm, whatever is going on, and just meet whatever is coming into your life with love unconditionally. And it's it's hard and it's easy to say and it's hard to do, but it is the noble goal to have that you want to be able to be that oak tree in the middle of your family, that when storms are coming, you can still present yourself with nothing but love, not anger, not frustration, but love. So that's kind of the goal. That's where my head is on it. And Shasta, and I hope this helped get through some of the, the things that you're dealing with at home. And I hope this helped a couple other dads get out there. If you have a question that you wanted me to tackle in these Friday solo episodes, Every one of our episodes, there's a link at the bottom that says, ask a question. Go ahead, drop the question there, and I'll go ahead and answer it in a future Friday solo episode. So with that, I'm going to sign off, and I will talk to you again on Monday.